0: We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening.
1: Listen, we're in week six of our bookmark series, and if you're just joining us, now would be a really good time for me to kind of give you an update about what is this series about. But you know, on week one, Pastor Keith did such a good job that I'm just going to let him introduce the series for us.
0: Today, we begin a summer series where uh, a lot of our pastors are going to be either interviewed or teaching, telling us about a-, a scripture that got them through a tough time, and it'll really help you. I'm going to tell you about one this morning. I'm going to interview pastors Dan and Steph about some of theirs and teach about theirs. Uh, Pastor Jessica is going to tell, uh, tell us about one of hers, plus she's going to be interviewing Pastor Stephen about one of his, and Pastor Matt's going to be interviewing himself. So.
1: We're... So, if, if you've never met me, my name is Matt, and uh, earlier, I had a chance to sit down with Matt and have a conversation about reading the Bible. Let's check that out. Ah, there you go. Look at this. All right. Ooh. It's my favorite kind. Thank you. Well, it's nice to have this chance to sit down with you. Yeah, we don't get to do this very much, do we? It's true. Now, now, when we were prepping for this conversation, uh, you mentioned that uh, reading the Bible has changed for you over the years. So, let's go back to the beginning. What did that start like for you? Uh, well, yeah, actually it started, you know, I had great people in my life who recommended reading the Bible, which is great. But often this, the resources I was given were uh, a, something where you would read a, a few chapters a day or uh you know, bit a chunk from the Old Testament, chunk from the New Testament, some Psalms or Proverbs, and then there was this little journal section, and it was it was a uh, a whole chunk that you would go through each day. So that's how I kind of started. Now, I'm just sensing that there there may have been a moment where uh, you weren't feeling great about that. Is that true? Actually, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. It's pretty insightful. Uh, you know, there there was a moment where I felt I was. This was helpful for a while, but then it got to a point where I was getting the same thing out of the same sections of the Bible every time I read it. Or, you know, to be honest, uh, there's sometimes where I would feel like I didn't know what to journal at the end of the section because my mind had been drifting while I was reading. Or, to be honest, there was even some times where I was falling asleep. And uh, so that made it even hard to be motivated to get to that Bible reading sometimes. Mm. So, So what changed for you? Well, it all changed when I decided just to read a chunk of the Bible until something hit me, and then I just stopped. That's it? Just stop? That's it? I got more out of the Bible reading when I spent more time thinking about less of the text. Just a smaller chunk, but more time just thinking about it. Maybe even rereading it a couple times. That was a total game changer for me. Wow, that's pretty profound. Well... It was nice to have this chat, Matt. Thanks for taking the time. Now back to you, Matt. Well, thank you, Matt. You no, know, my, my pro- wow. OK. It was a pretty, uh, pretty special feat to pull that off. Um, I think my main problem is that I'm a checklist person. Are any, any task list checklist people in the room today? And you know if you are, like, I mean, here's an example checklist, you know, you got your, your tasks, wash the bathroom, take out the trash, etc. But you know, if you're a real taskless person, you start off with a little bit of momentum. You know, let's add a few more on there. There we go. You've already got some stuff done today, don't you? You've woken up, you've brushed your teeth, you got out of bed. Why not put those on the list too? And this, one of our staff gave me this pro tip, make list, put make list on the list. And then I don't just check it off. I check it off, and I strike it out. Another pro tip, use a bigger marker when you're striking it out than when you wrote the the task, okay? It feels amazing. I I mean, like, look at this. We're already halfway done our list, right? You're doing great today. I'm doing great today. But the problem is this is how I was reading the Bible. I was coming to the reading plan, and I was going to get her done, Two Psalms, one proverb, three chapters of the Old Testament, two chapters of the New Testament, Might be one of those epistles thrown in there, boom, no problem, got it done. Was my mind wandering the whole time? Maybe. Would I remember later in the day anything I read? Maybe. But this is how I learned to read the Bible. If you grew up around church, you know, this maybe was your experience too, I, and and and. Don't 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 miss this here. I don't want I don't want if you grew up reading the Bible in big chunks, if you love your reading plans, I'm not hating on that, okay? It's a really good thing and it was really helpful for me in a large season of my life. But it came to a point that something needed to change, especially you know, the, the first days when I was starting to read the Bible, I understood. It was helping me understand the big scope of what the entire narrative was. It helped me understand that storyline and how different pieces were connected to one another. But the problem was, it grew familiar. I stopped seeing how strange and wonderful the world of the Bible really was. But I was checking off that to-do list, feeling good. You know. There was a growing disconnect actually that was happening inside of me. In the scripture, I was reading about this God who was personal, relational, close to people. And I, I didn't just hear about that or read about that. I experienced people in this community who lived that out. And I was seeing their closeness and the way they talked about Jesus. And it wasn't how I was feeling. So at one point, I had to admit it out loud, not just to myself not just to God, but I brought this to some of my closest relationships. I opened it up to them. I let them know I knew about God. I believed in God. I had a consistent, active faith. I tried to be obedient, but I couldn't honestly say that I had a close relationship, a close friendship with God. But they joined with me and they prayed with me. And it was about three years that they were praying with me. I know because we have shared prayer notes that we kept going back to. I kept asking, "Can you pray with me? I want Jesus to be more than just a life philosophy or a moral compass. I want him to come close. I want him to be my friend." Imagine asking someone to be your friend for 3 years. I was frustrated and just like Matthew said in that illuminating interview, I gave up on the checklist reading. I was frustrated. You know, if I'm honest, it wasn't motivated because I wanted to be close to God. In that moment, it was motivated because I was a little disillusioned. I was frustrated. I was burned out on accomplishing at the Bible. And so I just read in little chunks for a while, for a long while, like we're talking months. But you know what? If you're in this place, I need to say this to you. I am really glad I just kept showing up. That's something I don't regret. Then sometime down the road, I was in some some combo. I don't remember specifically the circumstances, but I was either reading or listening to Psalm 1. And it was that smack in the face moment, the thud in the chest. I had my moment right there. I realized that something inside of me had been changing. Something that Psalm 1 was describing had been happening inside me. So should we read Psalm 1 together? Let's read it. If you've got your own copy of the Bible, pull it out. If you've got on your phone or, or, or uh, you know, those things that have pages, feel free to pull those out. Um, if you're online, there's actually a tab there where you can, we can uh, do that. And anyone, even replay, there's the One Church TO app. We've got all the teaching notes. You can even read ahead. Go for it but I, this is what I, why I'd ask you to pull it out because we're gonna be referencing Psalm 1 a lot. We're gonna get a little Bible nerdy today. And if you keep it open, it'll help you follow along. Okay, what, what, if, you, if you have none of those options, we'll have it on the screen as much as we can. Okay, Psalm 1, are we ready? Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous for the lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked leads to destruction this is the word of the lord you probably picked up if you if you're just even if you're you're first reading this psalm the first time you've ever ever seen it you probably picked up that this is a bit of a comparison going on here between the godly on one side and the wicked on the other side Now, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you used godly or wicked in a sentence? It's probably been a while. Maybe (laughs) the last time you read the Bible aloud. It feels really intense to our ears. Our modern ears kind of cringes at calling someone wicked. So let me just kind of paraphrase, put it in terms that make sense to us. The godly would be someone who aligns their moral compass with that of the God of Scripture. So that doesn't mean you're perfect, but you're trying your best to align yourself to what you see in scripture. The wicked, they are someone who wants to define what is right for themselves, but then they end up missing the mark with their lives because of it. Okay, does that help put a little bit of context in there? And the contrast between the godly and the wicked, that's not a new thing in Psalm 1. It's one of the most common themes in all of scripture. You can see it in a lot of places, and often it is... Presented as a choice, a choice between good and evil, a choice between life and death, a choice between a blessing and a curse. Now, if you've read the Bible sometimes, you might already be thinking of some passages. I'll give you two key ones. It's the same choice that Adam and Eve face in the garden in Genesis good and evil. It's the same choice that Moses puts in front of the nation of Israel before they enter the promised land in the book of Deuteronomy. He puts before them a blessing and a curse. We're being presented this same choice by Psalm 1, right here. Keep that in mind. As we're reading all of Psalm 1, this is, the choice is not just for the righteous and godly person in the pages. It's for us. We're being presented that choice. And because this is really cool. Because this is Psalm 1, this isn't just a framework for one psalm. It's actually kind of the statement of intent for the entire book of psalms. So you can read any psalm and think about what's the choice between godly and wicked that's being presented to me in this psalm. Fresh way for you to read the psalms. And to help the reader experience these themes, Psalm 1 is structured using design patterns. Like if, if, we're, if we're being poetic today, we use completely different design patterns, roses are red, violets are blue. But in in ancient Near Eastern poetry, there's one that's very common. It's called a chiasm. It's a fun word, chiasm. And this is when the overall construction is arranged in a mirror image. And the key is actually repetition. You can see, we have it here on the screen. These are the chunks of Psalm one, the four different chunks, the four sections. And the psalmist has arranged someone with two f- chunks up front, the A section and the B section, that are then mirrored with a second B section and a second A section. You following along with me? A, B, B, A. OK? The A here is being responded to by the A down here. The B here is being responded with a B down here. So let's start with the A's. We're good. Verse 1 and 2 work together to describe the discriminating way of the godly. We're going to dive into this a little bit later in in more detail, but first, you can see it right there on the page. It describes the choices of the wicked, where they stand, sit, and walk, followed by the choices of the godly, which is to delight and meditate. But that is then mirrored in verse 6, and here. It's just a little bit of a twist. Instead of just describing the the way of the godly, it's describing the way of God. It's God's response to the choices that the godly has made. This is really, really cool here. The the initial idea in in verse six is describing how the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Now, there's a little cool thing happening in Hebrew here. God is responding to the, to the righteous by providing closeness. And we know that because the word watches is actually really intimate language. It's not just looking over. It is being right there, close, right beside. But here's, here's the notable difference. In the second phrase of verse six, God is not present. It doesn't mention God at all. The wicked has chosen their own way, And God respects their choice to do life without him. And so the wicked seem to fade into oblivion. As one translation puts it, the way of the wicked is lost. That's a sobering note to end on, hey? Uh, Okay, so let's move to the second, the middle sections. And maybe we'll see something a little more uplifting there. Okay, so in these two sections, we're experiencing farm-to-table culture. You're going back in time to when agriculture was everything. So, it's fill, fill, so much of the allegories are, are coming from, from that uh, way of doing life. And we start with this vivid word picture of a productive lush tree. Let's put up verse 3 right here. This, this is verse 3, and this is verse 4 and 5 here. This is the lush tree planted by streams of water. This tree isn't just lucky, to have sprouted next to a stream, this streams of water are actually describing an irrigation ditch. This is something that a gardener has taken the time to funnel precious water resources, especially in the arid country that, that is Israel, towards the roots of this tree. There's a reason why that tree is pr- prospering. is because the gardener has pulled the water and the resources towards it, but not so the wicked. This is the contrast. So this is B1. This is B2. This is a a mirror, but a contrast in this when we're seeing the wicked. The wicked are pictured as chaff. Now, if you don't know what chaff is, it's just the husk that sits on the outside of the wheat that is thrown away during harvesting. Now, compare that to the tree. It's not the entire wheat stalk. It's not the fruit of the wheat. It is pictured as the leftovers. So the gardener is carefully tending here. Here, the gardener is actually tossing it away through a process called sifting. The tree has potential to supply future life through its seeds. The chaff is an empty husk, no future value. The tree is heavy with fruit in season that brings nourishment. The chaff is weightless, It's blown away by the wind. The tree is pictured as full with green leaves season after season. The chaff is pictured as leftovers from a one-season crop. Pretty vivid contrast. I want to find myself up in this section. And the psalmist wants us to want that too. So let's go right into verse 2. And let's slow down even a little bit more and dive in. Because to the author of Psalm 1, we're already speed reading today. Yep, yeah. so of you are getting a little nervous. Our pace today is rushed. And how do you know? I, because it says so right here in the second verse. Those who delight, whose sorry, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, day and night. I hope you brought some snacks because we're going to be here for a while. But in this verse, there is a pairing, there's a couplet that's happening. One sentence expands onto the other one. This is called parallelism. So I've given you two so far. We've got parallelism and chiasm. You don't need to really remember them as long as you remember this, the point is repetition. Repetition is the tool that, that was super common in ancient Near Eastern poetry, but the psalmists, they were masters at this. So when you're reading Proverbs or Psalms, watch for that repetition because it brings fuller meaning as you compare them and contrast them. So here we see two phrases that are being paired, the righteous delights and he who meditates. These two words are actually talking to each other in this phrase. And it feels like a bit of a stretch, you know, delight and meditate. They don't have that same energy. Um, but it's not, it's not as obvious in our English translations as it actually is in Hebrew. And let me, let me break, break it down for you a bit. Delighting's easy. It's enjoying a fulfilling desire, experiencing beauty and good pleasures. That's very common to our definition of delight, but meditating is the doozy. In Hebrew, it's an onomatopoeia. Do you remember that word? I haven't used it since grade 11 English. This is the words that you see bright and bold in the comic books. It's when the word actually sounds like the noise that it's naming. So I'm gonna name a few, some of them will come up here. Pop, bang, boom, kapow, whoosh, slither, crack, clang, crinkle flush and gargle. The Hebrew word here is "hagga," and it is used a number of ways in scripture. It, it's most common meaning is to mutter, to moan, to murmur, haga, ha, that's the vibe that you get from it. And for example, the culture that this was written in, you wouldn't just read silently in your in your mind if you're reading to yourself you'd actually mutter it out loud so you'd see people walking with a book or ta- maybe do you walk with a book that's dangerous it's equivalent of like iphone use okay but they'd be sitting and reading a book and instead of silently reading it they'd be ha hug, 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 ha that's the word picture that's being being said here the prophet isaiah loves this word he uses it a ton but he doesn't just use it to describe people he uses it to gr- describe animals too Use it to describe a dove cooing and a lion growling as it sets down to eat. Let's check this out in Isaiah 31. As a lion growls, a great lion over its prey. I'm not going to give you the context. It's pretty cool. But just his word picture that he's trying to give you is the lion pulling up his chair at a big banquet. You know, he's just made the kill. He's sitting down to enjoy it. I don't spend much time with lions, but I did grow up with a dog. And I do know there was moments when I gave my dog a treat or when I gave him something to chew on, he would sit down with that treat and he would (laughs) ha (laughs) ha 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 right? If you've been around dogs, you know what I'm talking about. It's that growling, that enjoyment that comes. You can even hear it. You know, they seem to be smiling when they're doing that. There's a delighting as they're chewing on the bone. So the psalmist is trying to tell us The more you ponder the way of wisdom, the more you're delighted by it. Chew on that. And that's what really hit me. When I was reading Psalm 1 and it really came and hit me, I realized, much to my surprise, that when I had given up on my structured checklist and spreadsheet approach to the Bible, it had started to unlock itself for me. Not in a single day, slowly over months and years, And it happened just by simply reading until something happened and then stopping. So I would start at chapter one, verse one. And I would read. And then I would realize that my mind had already drifted. And so I'd read verse one again. And sometimes something would just pop right there. Whoa, I never thought about that. I never saw that. But sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes, verse two, nothing. Verse three, okay, there's a bit of a fizzle there. Maybe not a pop. And then I would just sit there and haga 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 haga. I would start to think about it. On the best days, I would grab my old journal, dust it off, and I would start scribbling in there. Haga 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 haga. And you know, many days after spending that time on just a smaller amount of text, it would stick with me. So later in the day, when I was praying or when I was thinking, the haga 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 would still be going on. I realize that sounds like hubba, hubba, hubba. Well, get, get that out of your mind. So anyway, the next day, I would come right back to chapter one, verse two, or chapter one, verse three, wherever I had left off. I wasn't just scatter picking out verses. I would be slowly savoring verse by verse as I went. And the funny thing I, I still find a bit ironic is I, my whole motivation for this was to give up on uh, on something that I found to be frustrating. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't doing it to, to have a better you know, reading plan. I wasn't doing it to experience God, but I did it because if I was honest to myself and maybe being honest to God too, there was so many days where I was just losing interest and focus and I didn't, I didn't wanna do it that way anymore. But reading the Bible this way didn't just unlock itself. This is the cool part. It unlocked the creator who artfully, painstakingly, sacrificially, and lovingly showed up over and over again to be present in the scripture as inspiration, motivation, and ultimately the main storyline of the words I was reading. I didn't just get insight into beautiful literary techniques or fascinating historical context. I didn't just learn about Jesus. Jesus met me in those moments. Many times I'd be sitting there and my heart was lifted like he was in the room right with me. Not always, but sometimes. It's a lot like it says in one translation of verse six of of the psalm we're reading For the Lord embraces the way of the righteous. As theologian Richard James Foster puts it, I wasn't just dissecting a text about the peace of Christ. I was entering into and sharing in the peace of Christ. And that's why Psalm 1 was such a beautiful moment to me. Because I realized that there was no haggah happening when I was reading before. I was sitting down to a meal that could be enjoyed and savored. Something that had flavor and appeal to all my senses. Something that I might even want to sit down and share with some others. Maybe not. It was something that was more than just information. It was something that was delight, something that I was experiencing as fun, something that was bringing meaning to my life. All this potential, all this potential, And I had summed it up as just nutrition. So I was just, what's the quickest way to get it in? If it's all the same, if it's all about the nutrients, then what's the point wasting the time? Just get it in there, right? I think... This illustration has already proved to be worthwhile. <laughs> I said it was a meal to be shared, right? I'll be around later if you want to join me. <laughs> but this, this, I had simplified all the reading to just a task, to nutrients to be ingested and processed. I was looking for efficiency. But when are relationships ever about efficiency? So the call of wisdom to us today is to come, to sit at the table, and to eat, and to enjoy, to slow down, to take our time to chew on it, and to enjoy it. What does that look like for you? We're all at different spaces. we got different wirings, different experiences, different spiritual history. I'm going to move this over here, (laughs) and I'm going to wipe off my hands. But if you're here today and checking us out, that's great. I'm so glad you're here. And you might be a little bit more interested in the Bible now than you were before, and that's fantastic. If you've never really had a chance to read the Bible before, we've got a great resource for anyone who is just getting started. It's a How to Read the Bible video series by an amazing group called The Bible Project. I love this video series, and I recommend it to anyone, even if you're a Bible nerd, check it out. But if you are ready to make the Bible a habit, maybe a smoothie isn't such a bad thing. No, honestly, maybe not that smoothie, but it's helpful to get an overview of Scripture. You might want to actually dive in and start with the reading plan. Let someone guide you through the, the larger narratives of parts of Scripture. Just promise me, don't chug it. Sip it. Take your time. Maybe chew on it. It doesn't work with the smoothie as well. <laughs> but we've got two Psalm plan- reading plans that you can dive right into today that are a resource as well for anyone who wants to get consistent. And listen, checklist people, we've already got Psalm 1 done. You've already checked it off. We read Psalm 1 today, so you read right into Psalm 2. Okay, a little bit of momentum there. But when you're reading the Psalms, keep looking for the repetition. Okay, keep looking for that. And remember, it's better to meditate and delight than it is to tick those boxes. Haggah, Haggah, haga. haga, haga. And if you've been reading the Bible for a long time, well, you might find yourself in the place that I was. We're probably at the greatest risk of missing out when we come to the Bible and we're used to it. We can lose our curiosity. We can be so familiar with the story that we miss out on how different it is. If we could only slow down and read with fresh eyes. So our our team has worked hard to curate and create some of the best resources that meets our community right where it's at. And I can't wait for you to hear more what's going on this fall. But they have given me special permission to spill the beans on something that we're launching this fall. It's called Follow Night Classes. And for anyone who's looking to get deep, this is something for you. Let's check out.
2: At OneChurchTO, we want to help empower individuals to deepen their faith journeys. One way we are doing that this year is by launching Follow Night Class, a unique learning experience designed to help you grow deeper in your spiritual walk by studying in community. Starting Wednesdays this fall, you will have the option to join as an interest student where you can explore topics and grow in your spiritual journey without the pressure of assignments, or as a credit student, which will allow you to earn post-secondary credits towards a degree program. Now we have two exciting courses for you to choose from this fall, interpreting the Bible and reaching our community through justice and compassion.
0: The Bible is a very old document. In fact, it's more than a document. It's a collection of letters and poems and even legal codes. And for us living in this century, it takes some work in order to understand it. Most of us are comfortable with the stories of Jesus. We've heard some of the words from Paul's letters, but there are other parts of the Bible that are just plain complicated. So I hope to give students the tools they need to understand even the complicated parts and to share that
2: understanding with others. This course is about faith, justice and compassion and the way in which the church can engage empathetically with people from different social and economic backgrounds and see the world through their lens. We'll equip you to read scripture in a fresh new way that reveals how the church is uniquely positioned to serve our community. We're gonna help you connect your relationship with God to acts of justice and compassion to those in need. We can't wait to embark on this next season of growth together. Registration is now open on our website. Whether you have been following Jesus for a while now or you are just beginning your journey, Follow Night Class is for you.
1: These are two very intentionally selected courses for our community, for us, where we're at, and they're right here in our building. So cool. So I'd really encourage you to to check it out if you're interested, especially for you Bible nerds. Now, If Psalm 1 is a contrast between the godly and the wicked, it's more of a thought exercise. It's more theoretical. What if we could really see for ourselves what flourishing looks like? If you've read his biographies, you might know someone who lived this out. And if you're new here, you probably know the, uh, you probably need to know that the answer to these questions is often Jesus. And Jesus' closeness to Scripture was so evident. He referenced it so often. often sometimes it was a, a, a subtle reference. Sometimes he would start with, "It is written." And that, you know what? The Psalms were his go-to. He quoted the Psalms more than any other book. And there's one psalm in particular that gets me, Psalm 22. In his darkest moment, when he has been abandoned by all his followers, unjustly accused, sentenced to death by suffering, in the middle of his execution, he has a presence of mind to recall Psalm 22. Jesus, even at the end of his life, he was still flourishing. He was bearing the fruit of a faithful life completing his mission. He described it to his followers in a moment he was trying to prepare them. He said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And this was where it echoes Psalm 1 verse 6. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Let me read a translation of verse six from Psalm one. For the Lord embraces the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked is lost. We can choose to plant our, our roots today by these channels of living water, fresh water, and we might bear fruit ourselves and for others now and forever forever. So as we close today, I would invite you to actually turn your attention to Psalm 1 again. The text of Psalm 1 is gonna be on the screen and we're gonna slowly pray our way through this Psalm. Verse by verse, we're not gonna rush, we're gonna haggah in prayer. I invite you to enter in and share in the peace of Christ together in this moment. Let's pray. Father, we ask today for your blessing on our lives. Guide our steps away from wickedness. Help us stand with those who do not sin. If we ever find ourselves stuck in mockery, help us up, soften our hearts again. Bring us the delight of seeing you alive in Scripture. And we invite you to bring our minds back to what you're teaching us over and over and over and over. Channel your living water to our roots. Plant us deeply here. Father, we ask you to make our lives fruitful. Help us to find our flourish in every season of life. Protect us from living lives caught up in worthless pursuits. Grant us your grace. Forgive us when we've missed the mark. Lord, watch over our way. Embrace us with your presence. Help us live a life that invites your blessing. Amen. Bye.